Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You're listening to Sword in Hand Podcast, Bible-believing preaching emanating from Indian Gap Baptist Church deep in the heart of Texas. Definitely not politically correct, but glorifying Jesus Christ in every way. So let's join it in progress. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. You realize everybody needs the sound of my voice is given the breath by God that you have, that you're breathing out this morning. And let me point out too to you that if you're underneath the sound of my voice and you're saying, well, I don't believe in God. When, when was the last time you thought about breathing? You, you, you put a thought into taking another breath. Unless you're deathly ill or very, very sick, you hadn't thought about taking a breath probably in years. And God's give you that breath. And give you a body to, that you, it'll take the breath for you without you having to think about it. <laughs> so you can sit there and think about TV. You can think about yourself. You can think about earning money. And the whole time God's giving you that breath and giving you a body that takes that breath. And let me go a step further. He's giving you a body that pumps that heart of yours without you having to sit there and think about it. It pumps that heart, pumps that blood, and you hadn't thought about it. Can you, can you imagine if we had to live a life like a lot, if we were evolutionists and we believed that everything was evolving and we had to live the life of trying to tell ourselves to breathe and then tell our bodies to pump our heart? <gasps> breathe, pump, <gasps> breathe, pump, <gasps> breathe, pump. God's giving you a spirit. God is so amazing in his design of you and your body. And we just, and some people just mock it and make fun of it and laugh it off. And we have an amazing, incredible designer and creator in God Almighty. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee. And give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. Now he's talking to the Jews, but guys, I'm here to tell you, if you're a born-again Christian, you've got that light in you. That light is Jesus Christ. It should be shining out of you, and God's given it to you, and he's in you. Verse 7, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of of the prison house. A lot of y'all know that, uh, especially on Wednesday nights, I've been having y'all pray for this. A lot of y'all know that on Friday night, I went into the, the Hughes uh, Maximum Security Prison Unit, and I spent all day long in there, and we had a, a, with the Rock of Ages, and we had a, we had a prison ministry we did, and I wanted to, to preach, some, preach on that and kind of give you some details of what went on and show you some, some of the Word of God. And the, the scripture I wanted to use there was found there in verse 7 where it says to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and then that set in darkness out of the prison house. That huge maximum security unit there in Gatesville, Texas, it holds right at about 3,000 men. When I got there to, and we, we were going to go in, we had seven men to help us go try to talk to 3,000 men. There was seven men that were willing to go into that prison and go in there and try to help Brother Henry out. That seven includes Brother Henry. 
this is a maximum security prison. And when we got there, how many doors, how many gates we had to go through to get to the actual prison, I can't even count because there's a sliding door. At the sliding door, you had to give your driver's license, get it back, give your driver's license again, get it back. You couldn't carry anything in except for the material that we had. You had to take your shoes off. They had to pat you down. It was just a mess. And we finally got in closer to the inner sanctuary of the prison, to the chapel house, and the, the chaplain was there, and uh, Brother Henry split us up into teams, and Brother Henry took me with him and another man named Archie, Archie Davis. This is a black man that served in the military, retired a military man. He had all these medals of, of honor, and this black man was a great man of God, a very strong man of God, bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was very, very honored and humbled that I was able to go with him and Brother Henry into the very deepest part of the maximum security prison. The part where we were took into by Brother Henry was required a flak jacket. It was a G4 unit. It means it's one of the highest uh, bad guys of the bad guys. It was a G4 unit. You're required to wear a flak jacket, a jacket to protect you from getting stabbed or whatever else you got, you know, just like you see cops wear. That's what we had to wear before we could enter into this maximum security part of this prison. And me and Brother Henry and Brother Archie Davis went into that part. And some of the other guys were sent into the lower parts, which were still a prison, were still a maximum security prison, but they, didn't, they weren't required to wear a flak jacket. I guess Brother Henry wanted to just throw me to the fire and, and the first time around. Or maybe he knows, and I'm so crazy for the Lord that I, I'm willing to die for the Lord. I don't know, but he sees something in me that makes me just a little bit quirky and kooky and goofy. Here we go. We go into this maximum security prison. We go into the, the, the pod. We go through it. And when we get in there, we get our flat jackets on, we get in there, they have them all locked down. And the way this is set up, they got three stories, and every story's got about maybe ten cells running. And you go up to the second story, it's got another ten cells. You go up to the third story, another ten cells. And every, that's a pod, and every pod has got a little area, not very big. It's got little metal benches, like little round metal benches they can sit on. It has a little TV over there. It's got little uh, long benches they can sit on when the TV's on. But very, it's, it's pretty dark in there. It's not a lot of room in there. But every one of them, were, they had left them in their cells. They weren't allowed to let them get out of their cells. And every cell has a sliding metal door. And they had two bunks. Each one of them had two bunks. And they had a little commode in there and a little sink in there. And the way the doors were set up, these sliding doors, they had little, little graded windows. Just something you can look into the door. There's two of them about this size, you know, about four or five inches wide. On, on, two of them to a door about... Oh, about 16 inches long, and they had little metal grates. And that's what we talked to the prisoners through those, through those grates. And we'd go from cell to cell, and there'd be two men in each one of them cells, and we would talk to the men and ask them about Jesus Christ and ask them they knew the Lord. And we had, uh, I went with Brother Henry for a while. He wanted to show me the ropes, how he was doing it, and I was more than happy to see how he was doing it and what was going on. It wasn't two cells into it that we ran into a Muslim. And the Muslim said, I'm a Muslim. I've got the Quran, and Brother Henry didn't back it down one second. He goes, well, let me ask you a question. Where's your atonement for your sin in that book of the Quran that you say you read? Where's your atonement? And the guy didn't have an answer. He didn't have no answer. And Brother Henry said, let me, say, let me slip you some material so you can read about Jesus Christ. And he slipped him, slipped him some material between those cell doors. You couldn't get in the doors, but there's a little crack there, and you'd slip it up, or you'd slide it underneath the doors, and we'd slide on Bibles. We'd talk to them about the Lord. That Muslim was interested in finding out what we believed and about atonement for sin because he doesn't have that in the Quran. 
And as I went through this maximum security prison, it was so dark in these, in these cells, and it was hard to hear them because they'd sit over there. And when you come up to the, when they wanted to shake your hand, they couldn't get their, their hands through those grates. So what they do is the, 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 the only thing they could get through those grates was their pinky finger, and they'd stick their pinky finger through that grate, and you would just reach out, and you'd shake their little pinky finger, and that was, a, that was a sign of that you were welcoming them, and they were welcoming you when they'd stick their pinky finger out through that grate. And as we went through talking to the people about Jesus Christ and talking to different people, not one of them was rude to us. Not one of them was rude to us. And we did that all morning long, just going from floor to floor to floor, opening up a Bible, talking to them about Jesus Christ, seeing where they're at, what they're doing, how, how we can help them, if we can answer any kind of Bible questions for them. And we got around lunchtime, and we went back down through the prison, had to go back through all the security, and went there, and we ate there at the prison. We stayed there. We got there at the prison at 8.45 in the morning, and we didn't leave that prison until 9 o'clock at night. We stayed on the prison grounds for that whole time. And we had lunch there, and it was some good eating. They had meatloaf there. And they had that, the, the prisoner that cooked the, uh, the, the inmate that cooked the meatloaf, he came out and said, we were going to have meatloaf, but the, the stove broke down, and so we just cut them up into little patties and fried them up like little patties. And mm, mm, that was some good eating. They had greens. They had uh, black-eyed peas. They had carrots. They had mashed potatoes. I mean, there was some good eating there. And I asked those guys, I said, is it usually this good eating? And they're like, no, it's usually not Usually not this good at eating. But we ate right there with some of the inmates were there, but we ate with some of the officers, and then we went back out again, and we went back on a visitation. And the second time, they wouldn't let us back into the maximum security part with our flak jackets. They were, they were locking them down. They didn't want us to go in there. They were giving us some resistance. So Brother Henry said, well, let's go on to another one. And we went on to another part, and this time they were outside of their cells. And they would be outside of their cells, and they would be sitting around, and they would be talking, and the TV would be on. And they'd go, we'd go from pod to pod. You've got to understand there'd be so many cells. I don't know how many men would be in each pod. Maybe, I'm going to guess, this is just a guesstimate, maybe 30 men would be in each pod, each section. And we'd go from pod to pod, go in a section, sit down, talk to them about the Lord, witnessing to them, see if there's anything we can do for them, give them some literature, give them some material. And then we'd go up to the door, and they'd open. And the whole time, we're locked in this pod with these men. We're locked in this pod with 30 criminals. A lot of them are never going to get out of here. We're locked in this pod. Nobody else is in there but us and the criminals or the inmates, however you want to say it, the prisoners. We're in this pod by ourselves. And, uh, and the way the pods are set up, there's a glass windows and up there's like a guard tower. It's the only way to describe it. It's, all this is in a building. And he's up real high. And he can look down and watch what's going on in there. And when we come up to the door... We're supposed to buzz that door, and he sees us, and he buzzes that door. That door opens up, and we're able to go out. Well, as we're going from pod to pod witnessing, talking to these prisoners about Jesus Christ, trying to get, have Jesus Christ glorified, we come up to the door, we buzz the door, and the, the officer's not up there. We don't know where he's at. He's nowhere to be found. We buzz the thing again, he's nowhere to be found. And we're sitting in there after minutes pass of this and minutes pass of this. Brother Henry turns to me and says, it makes you feel real safe, don't it? I said, yeah, brother. I never felt unsafe. One of the inmates went over there and he grabbed a hold of that door and he shook it and got the attention of that jailer. He, got, he let us get out. Officer came over and saw us over there and he buzzed the door and the door came open and we were able to get out. But man, if those guys wanted to do something to us, they could have. But I never felt unsafe. I never felt unsafe for the Lord. Well, what did you say to him, brother? This right here in verse 8. Look at verse 8. This is some of the stuff we talked to him about. I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, 
neither my praise to graven images. We simply preached the Lord Jesus Christ. We weren't in there for the Rock of Ages ministry. We weren't in there trying to preach a religion, trying to preach a denomination, trying to say, hey, I want you to be a Baptist, or I want you to come to my way of thinking, I want you to come to my philosophy. We're in there preaching the man, Jesus Christ. We're in there trying to glorify Jesus Christ to these, these inmates. We're trying to, these prisoners that are in the prison house, verse 7, we're just trying to get them out of darkness into the light. That's how we preached it, and that's how we gave it to them. And it's amazing how polite they were. It was, sir, and yes, sir, yes, sir, please sit down. I, hadn't, I didn't have one inmate rude to me all day long. I didn't have one inmate rude to me. Guys, I'm here to tell you, you're not going to believe this, but as I was walking, we'd walk from pod to pod, and we'd go into section to section. This place was, the, this place was so huge, it was, a, it was a maze. If Brother Henry wasn't with me, I would have got lost. There's no doubt about it, I would have got lost. And as, we, as I'd follow Brother Henry and Brother Archie, we went from place to place. They had the uh, inmates walking through different places and everything. They always, how y'all doing today? How you doing? Yes, sir, how you doing? They were so polite to me. And I thought, I wish it was this easy and there was this many polite people when you walk through a grocery store. Amen. But it's not. It's nothing like what you think. Look at verse 9. Behold, the former things are come to pass. And new things do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. See, that's the God we serve. We serve a God that tells you what's going to happen before it happens. You see what he's saying right there? So when you come up to somebody and you're trying to tell them about Jesus Christ, you're trying to present to them about Jesus Christ, and you're saying, you know what, I'm here because of Jesus Christ. What else would bring me into a maximum security prison but the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm here to present to you Jesus Christ. I remember talking to one young man, and we were talking, and he was brokenhearted because he couldn't stop sinning, and he just wanted to get right with the Lord. He goes, Preacher, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved, but I just can't stop doing what I do. I need help. I need the Lord to help me. I know I'm saved. I need some help. And I remember as I, he's in that cell and he couldn't get out of that cell and I was grabbing hold of the grating as tears were rolling down my eyes. I told him, brother, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you and you're not forgotten. The Lord loves you. And he hasn't forgotten you in here. And he's in here with you. And he's going to work for you. Don't give up hope. Jesus Christ loves you. He sent me all this way to tell you that he loves you. What a blessing to run into men that are convicted about their sin. What a blessing. But when I'd run into a man that would want to know, what makes your Bible so special? Why do you believe the Bible? I would simply say this. Prophecy. Prophecy. Revelation 19.10 tells us, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy, guys, you, you realize how amazing a book you have? How amazing a book you have that prophesies the future? That's the difference between the Quran. That's the difference between the Hadith, all these different religious books. You can go to the teachings of Buddha. They might tell you about yourself. They might tell you you need to rely on yourself. They might tell you that God has mercy, but they're not going to give you any prophecy. There's no prophecy there. There's nobody, there's no God telling you what's going to happen before it happens. And God says, that's how I'm going to do it. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Amen, guys. 
Look look at chapter 41. Go back to chapter 41, verse 21. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 21. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. The king of Jacob is Jesus. Hey, you got some reasons why you serve your God? You got some reasons why you believe in Muhammad? You got some reasons why you're following Buddha? Bring them forth to me. That's what God says there in verse 21. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things, what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare us things for to come. Hey, bring forth your God and let him tell us what's going to happen before it happens. Let's see it. That's what God says. I want to see it. Verse 23, show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that ye are gods. That way we'll know you're a God. If you tell me what's going to happen before it happens, then I'll know you're a God. Yea, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. Hey, why don't your God come down here and smack me around a little bit? Why don't your God come down here and do something good for me? Your God hasn't done nothing. Your God hasn't done anything good. Your God hasn't done anything evil. Your God is just a graven image. Your God is just some kind of straw man, some kind of image you've made in your mind. Your God is no God. See, my God can do good and he can do evil. My God can send the rain and he can stop the rain. My God can... Tell you what's going to happen and tell what's going to happen in the future. See, we have the God that everybody's looking for. How do you know your God's above all the other gods? Because my God's the only one doing that. I give my God the credit for the hurricanes. I give my God the credit for the rain. I give my God the credit for the fire. I give my God the credit for the good. I give my God the credit for some of the evil. I give my God a a lot of credit because I know my God's in control. And God says, bring them, bring them forth, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. Look at verse 24. Behold, ye are of nothing, and your work of naught, and abomination is he that chooseth you. Anybody who chooses these false gods is abomination. So I'd run into somebody that says, why do you believe that Bible? For one thing, I'm in here. (laughs) I'm not in here trying to preach anything else but this word of God in Jesus Christ. I'm in here. And secondly, this Bible is amazing and runs ahead of anything you've ever seen. This is some of the stuff I would tell them. When they'd say, well, show me something out of this, that, and other. I'd say, I'll show you something that a lot of people talk about. Mark of the Beast. You heard of the Mark of the Beast? Yeah. You heard, you've heard how they say what it was going to be? Yeah. And some guys say, yeah, I heard it was going to be a tattoo. Or I heard it's going to be a barcode. I said, yeah, like a mark. Is a mark on you, you know? I said, but have you heard the latest? Yeah, yeah, man. Some people say, yeah, you know, they got these little microchips. A little grain of a rice. Like a little grain of rice. They put that, they're going to put that in your head. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. How, how, how technology is growing? Yeah. Now turn to Revelation 13. Everybody turn to Revelation 13. Turn to Revelation 13. And I would say, turn to Revelation. Let me turn you to Revelation 13. This Bible was written 2,000 years ago. Nobody can deny this book right here. That word right there you're about to read. This was written 400 years ago in the English. 400 years ago this was translated into the English in the King James Bible. And here's that mark of the beast. Verse 15, Revelation 13, 15. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship. The image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth the antichrist, the false prophet, 
causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he had that mark, the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is six hundred, three score and six. There's the mark of the beast. And Oh yeah, everybody's interested in that, but notice what he says at the end of verse 16. It is written... The Word of God says to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. No, it doesn't. It don't say on in there. That word is in. I-N. And I would show that to them. 2,000 years ago, this Bible was translated 400 years ago. It was saying it's going to be in their hand. We're just now catching up to that technology. How do I know I serve the right God? Right there. My God's telling me 2,000 years before it happens, it's going to be in their hand. Not on their hand, in it. And in their forehead. Better wake up. Better wake up. This Bible is amazing. Back in Isaiah chapter 42, please. Back in Isaiah chapter 42. So I'm preaching Jesus Christ. I'm preaching the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching... The prophecy of the Word of God, how it's true. As I'm preaching all this and I'm, I'm witnessing and everything, and we have supper. We have, it's supper time. We have supper. We get ready for the church service. We go on and they have a chapel there. And it's a, it's a big building. It's about, uh, I would say that building is three times the size of this church. Inmates have come in there and painted it. Beautiful mural painting of a sunrise. And just, uh, guys, it's just a beautiful place. As we're about to have the worship service and about to have the church service, go back to verse 10, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 10. Sing unto the Lord a new song in His praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Let the wilderness and the cities therefore lift up their voice. The villages that Kedar doth inhabit, look, let the inhabitants of the rock sing. You know, when you go into prison, you're like in the rock. We're on the rock of Jesus Christ. That's why we should be singing. They got thrown in the rock, in the slammer. And it says right there, let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Well, we got that service going, and they, got, they had them a praise and worship band up there. Now listen to this. They had them a guitar, and they had them a drum set, and they had, them, they had it all set up on there. And boy, those prisoners, they had a choir set up there. They had a choir sit there, and a big old black guy was leading the choir, and they had them sitting up there, and we were getting ready to come into the church service, and they were singing, and they were starting to clap, and they were starting to sing and shout, and they were getting excited for the Lord, and boy, praise music never sounded so good to Brother Keegan. You know, and Brother Henry turned to me, and he says, yeah, they get a little rowdy in here. And I thought to myself, if I was in prison, I wouldn't want anybody judging me. Sing on loud, brother. Play that music, whatever you felt like the Lord wants you to do, you just sing, sing, sing. And boy, the hair on the back of my neck got, started getting up. Those, those prisoners just clapping and singing about the blood of Jesus Christ. 200 men singing loud. That place was rocking. I bet some of those windows were just vibrating a little bit in there. Those men were singing for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're getting ready to have that service. Those men would come in, man, they would come in. Inmates would come in one at a time because they had to check in at the door. And they'd come in all smiling, shaking our hands, giving us hugs. 
Thank you. Thank you. Hugging every one of us. Thank you. Thank you. So appreciative of somebody willing to do a church service for him. Big old black man came in. Tears in his eyes. Came in and he hugged me and he said, Everybody in here is trying to break out. You're trying to break in. (laughs) God bless you, brother. God bless you. God bless you. Never meant as much as when I had somebody like that tell me. God bless you. They were so happy and joyful and shaking our hands. And one of the, the, I would call him the DJ of this little event. He got on there and he said, let's give it up for the Rock of Ages prison ministry. And they were just cheering and clapping. Made you feel about one centimeter tall. Because you know what you are in Jesus Christ and I'm a nothing. And these guys are cheering you like you're something. And one of our brothers in Christ, he started pointing up. It's him. It's him. It's Jesus Christ. We got there, started singing. We got up on the platform, and they started singing, Have You Been Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? 200 men singing that with all their heart. I mean, singing loud. Some of y'all, I wish y'all would sing as loud as these men were singing. 200 of them singing with all their heart, smiles on their faces. It was a blowout in the prison. Remember what the Jubilee was like around here? It was a Jubilee in a maximum security prison house. We're a place where nobody should be happy. Murderers, rapists, thieves, liars, singing to the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what some of y'all would have been without Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 21, please. The Bible says, verse 42, 21, The Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. Brother Ed, as a preacher that got up to preach, and he got to preach, and he had them all laughing, telling stories about boxing. Every man loves boxing, man. He started telling stories about boxing. He got to preaching hard. He got to preaching the King James Bible. He got to preaching it in their face. And boy, you could have heard a pin drop in there. And some of these men that came in there were, were absolutely, you wouldn't have argued with me one minute, open homosexuals. You could point them out. You could pick them out as soon as they walked into that church service. The way they walked, the way they dressed, blatant homosexuals come over there were sitting over there. And as Brother Ed was preaching, one of them popped off from over there. And Brother Ed got down over there and he started yelling at him. You shut your mouth. I'm preaching. You're not preaching. I'm here to glorify Jesus. He got right all on them. I'll have you thrown out of here. And as I sat there on that podium and was listening to him, I thought, man, I guess that's the way you got to talk to him. This man's been doing it for 30 years, preaching in prisons. That's the way you got to act. You got to be rough. And you could have heard a pin drop. And then he got back to the Word of God and he started preaching Jesus Christ again, being a man that God wants you to be. Honoring the Lord. He will magnify the law. We were magnifying the Word of God. It was some great preaching, guys, man. It was some great preaching. Those prisoners were blessed to get the preaching they got there. Look at verse 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They were all of them snared in holes. And they were hid in prison houses. They are for a prey and none delivereth. For a spoil and none saith restore. Restore. Guys, as I looked at these 
these prisoners, and as I talked to these inmates for 12 hours, practically almost 12 hours, 10 hours about that time, I'd been there for 10 hours talking to them, witnessing to them, dealing with them, seeing what they needed from the Lord. Some of them wanted to get saved. Some of them didn't have anything, just wanted to get right with God. I looked at them and I said, I read this verse, but this is a people robbed, robbed of a good father. How many of them men didn't have a good father? Robbed of a good mother. This is a people robbed, robbed of a good church. The neighborhoods they came, th- came from had no good church. We need to be the good mothers. We need to be the good fathers. We need to be the good church to keep people out of places like that. These guys were robbed of that. Some of y'all are blessed with that. Some of y'all were blessed with good mothers, blessed with good fathers, blessed with good churches where you heard the gospel preached. These guys were robbed of somebody coming by their way before they got into prison. Somebody coming by their way before they got into prison and telling them about the love of Jesus Christ. These people were robbed of that. Somebody, sometime, some way, be it in a church or someplace else, came by and told you about the love of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. These guys were robbed of that. Some of these guys didn't get that until they got into prison. You know, when they go into prison, that's when they're allowed the Bible. Not in the schools. You heard what Brother Evans said, how much trouble he's had, the resistance he's had trying to get a Bible into a fifth grader's hand. But when you get in prison, that's the first thing they give you is a Bible. It's a little too late. You've already been robbed. These guys have been robbed and spoiled. Spoiled little children have never been told no until they get into prison. These men... Some of them have been spoiled by the loss of innocence that happened to them through sexual abuse. Guys, we can't put ourselves in their shoes and what that would have made us become if we had to endure what some of these men endured. Things they were robbed of, things they were spoiled through. Spoiled in a life of poverty. Some of y'all grew up pretty well, didn't have to worry about food, didn't have to worry about where you're going to get your clothes. A lot of these men were not raised that way. When I got around those men and I see they're men just like me, I know no doubt it's by the grace of God I'm not in there right now. And it says there, and they are hid in prison houses. That's where they're hid right now. And therefore a prey and none delivereth for a spoil and none saith restore. These men want to be restored. They want to know there's hope. And we're going to give them hope in Jesus Christ. As we gave the invitation, we're talking about 200 men in there. As we gave the invitation, we had six men that were allowed to go down to the front. We had six men down the front. He gave an invitation. He gave an altar call. And there was only six men that could come at a time. And I sat there and I looked at this man coming towards me. This man was about six foot five. Big old burly man. He just cowered over me. And he just way over me. And he come over to me and he said, Preacher? And I thought, yes. I know I'm saved, preacher. I know I'm saved. I just want to do right. I'm not doing right. I just can't stop sinning, preacher. And he just shook his head like that. I just, I just can't stop sinning. I, I, I'm a little racist, brother. And I know I shouldn't be that way, pastor. But I just, I just can't stop sinning. So I opened up the Bible and gave him some verses. I just need some help to stop sinning. And as soon as he would leave, here come another little man. He come, come running up there. Little bitty Italian man. And he come up there and this is what he said to me. He said, I've got Jesus Christ. He said, Pastor, I just, I want it to go from here to here. I want it to go from my head to my heart. How do I do that? 
I want to stop lusting. He said, I come out of a homosexual lifestyle for 40 years. I've got a girlfriend. I know I'm saved. He said, but I, I, I want to break this power of sin. He said, I want it to go from my head to my heart. How do I, get, how do I break this sin, brother? I want to break this sin. I want to break out of it. And I opened up the Bible and tried to help these brothers that are convicted of their sin. Guys, you know what struck me? Why aren't we more convicted of our sin? You know, as I see these men that are in jail and already paying the price, I didn't have to tell them they were sinners. I didn't have to convince them of that. Here's these men in jail worried about living it and living it right. And how many of us have been worried about our sin lately? And I know when I was heading out of the prison, we was driving, we, me and the brothers were talking, I said, man, I wish I had a church that was convicted of their sin like those men were. What could we do for the Lord if we could get convicted about some of the sin we have in our life? Been many, many years, I hate to admit it, since I had somebody come down here and say, you know what, I'm just trying to break a sin. I'm going to pray about it. I know y'all come down to the altar, but man, this altar, it stays empty a lot in this church. I can't believe I had that good of people in here. I can't believe I had that good of righteousness in here. It's a sad thing when you have the preacher hit the altar more than the people. But I'm going to get right with God. I don't care what y'all do. And when I've seen these men, murderers, rapists, homosexuals, coming out of that lifestyle, accepting Jesus Christ, wanting to live for God in a jail, and then come out of there in a maximum security prison and come out of there and come home to my home church and have people that don't care about their sin and are not convicted. Look at verse 23. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ, Lord God. Lord, thank you for your convicting spirit that runs through us, Lord God. We know we're not right. Lord God, give us a heart like these inmates have, Lord God, to try to live for you. Lord, give us a heart to want to get right with you, Lord God. Lord, we have so much we need to clean up in our lives, Lord God. And Lord God, I ask you to move among us through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lord God, if somebody underneath the sound of my voice doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I ask you to speak to the heart right now. And as we give this invitation, that will come down here and accept Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, if there's somebody maybe that's fighting some sin, that's convicted about something, Lord God, that they can make it down to the altar, Lord God. And I know you'll beat them down here. Lord God, I know that if we have a man that's lived like that man has lived through all the sin, and you're able to deliver him, Lord God, I know you can deliver us. And thank you for washing us and cleansing us with the precious blood, Lord. Thank you for your word that I can open up and show these men that were fighting that sin that there is victory in Jesus Christ. Lord, deliver us from our sin, Lord God. Help us to have a heart for the inmates, Lord God. Help us to have a heart for sinners. Lord, help us to reach them before they reach that maximum security prison. Lord, give us a courage and a boldness to tell people about Jesus Christ so they won't be robbed of that. And they won't be spoiled of that, Lord God. Thank you for just spoiling us like little brats, Lord Jesus. And taking care of us when we don't deserve it. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Brother, let's have an invitation. If the Lord's laid something down on your heart, as you get right with the Lord.
One of the things I told that man, that big burly man that came up to me, and I told him, I said, well, we can get here, we can pray, but I don't want to pray in front of, because they warn us that you don't want to embarrass them in front of all their inmates, because you're going to leave, and then their inmates are going to make fun of them. You can't leave, you can't get away from your inmates, amen? They're right there all the time. They said, don't embarrass them. And I said, brother, I said, I'll pray with you right now, but I, want to, I don't want to embarrass you in front of your inmates. You know what that man said? He goes, I don't care what any of these guys think. I just want to get right with the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.